Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning, Graceland Church. Thank you, worship team. Beautiful job. Thank you for serving us well. We're glad to have you guys in the house today. Uh, my name's Nathan, honored to be our lead pastor here. If I don't know you yet, I look forward to meeting you. That was my wife, Jessica, uh, just praying there. Uh, we first want to just acknowledge, as you guys know, it's Memorial Day weekend. First of all, thanks for making it out on a, uh, on a holiday weekend. But we're really filled with gratitude as we honor and remember those who have given their lives. Are you with me, church? Um, and we think of the families who've lost loved ones and... Um, those who are here who have served, we're grateful to you. Um, I have a number of family members who served and who all lost friends. So we're grateful and we just have a moment to remember that this morning. Um, if you'd like to get connected here at Graceland Church, the connection card is your best bet. You can fill this out as much or as little info as you like. You can drop it in the drop box at the welcome table in the foyer. Um, there's also an online one, gracelandchurch.com connect, really simple. You can also be in the loop using our social media, which is just at Graceland Church Franklin, um, Instagram and Facebook primarily. There's a Twitter too, but it's just, it's just all the other stuff gets thrown on Twitter as well. And uh, we have this welcome card now. If you didn't get one, someone can bring you one. It has sermon notes, but it also has on the back upcoming events. So we have summer community groups, some that have kicked off already, uh, some that are gonna be starting soon. You can still join any of them. Email us at hello at gracelandchurch.com. There's you can get details there. Heather can wave her hand in the back. You can talk to her if you have interest in one of those groups. Our, we have a pilot class for Graceland College of Biblical Studies, something we're praying about here. All these spots are filled up as far as the sponsored spots, um, but you can still attend. Let me know if you're interested. Um, there would just be some cost involved. And you can see uh, our youth, our women's, our men's, seniors, prayer, celebrate recovery. And uh, we have a bunch of kids going to kids camp. By the way, we have Studio G kids in the house with us. Let's show love to Studio G Kids. Come on, give them a hand, everybody. That is our elementary kids. It is a fifth Sunday, so on fifth Sundays, they worship in the sanctuary with us, and we still have the younger kids over in the kids' wing. Speaking of the kids, we're doing something called a brown bag sermon, and I'm nervous about this. Uh, kids, as I explain this, go ahead and bring your brown bags up. If you have one, place it right here on the stage in front of me, and then you can just take a seat on the ground somewhere and or you can go back to your seat wherever you like. Go ahead and put it down. Go ahead, uh, and I'm, all right, we got brown bags here, thank you. Thank you for your love and care in the brown bags. What we do here on these fifth Sundays is the kids have a game where they need to try to stump Pastor Nathan by putting a really weird item in a brown bag. I don't know what these items are. What I have to do right now is randomly pick three of these and show you the items that are in those three bags and then on the spot, create a little five-minute, really wonderful sermon based on those three items. So comes with the territory of my job. My wife makes me do this. So if you want me to stay married, I have to do brown bag sermons. So first, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have no idea whose bags are whose. I'm going to mix them up a little bit here. My eyes are closed. Let's see. Make sure I can kind of feel a bunch of them. And I'm gonna pick three items. And kids, you'll all get a chance to show what your item is. Here's our first one. Oh, two more. Come on, bring them up. Our first item here is green Play-Doh. Green Play-Doh. Who brought the green Play-Doh in? Show us your hand. Oh, again. Oh my goodness, I picked hers last time. All right, here we go. 
She has good, um, she must have very anointed bag picking skills. All right, here's another one. Ooh, we have a little clip. Who brought the yellow clip? Ooh, ah, yes. What are these actually? I guess it's just a fancy paper clip. I don't know what the technical name for it is that. Clip. Binding clip, thank you. Binder clip. Binder clip. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And then this one. Ooh. <laughs> a drill. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. It goes both directions. An actual drill. Okay, so what we have here is uh, we have a drill. The drill does go both directions. That's the kind of drill I would use right there. We have green Play-Doh. I think it's green. At least the cap is green. What's yours? This Play-Doh? Oh, really? Oh, two people are claiming the green Play-Doh. Maybe we had two people bring in Play-Doh. Oh, this is your Play-Doh from school. So someone took your Play-Doh and put it in this brown bag. Got it. Okay. That's my five-year-old Nessa right there claiming the Play-Doh. And then we have this yellow clip. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. (laughs) Okay. A lot of times in life, on one hand, things can be going really good and you're really happy about school. Maybe you're getting good grades. Maybe you're really excited about your friends. That's when the drill is going the proper direction. And it can, it can drill in the screws appropriately. But then other times in life, things aren't going so well. Maybe things are difficult at school, or maybe one of your siblings is driving you crazy. Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> or maybe you're just frustrated about something, and it feels like the drill starts going the wrong direction. And every time you try to use it, it doesn't cause the screw to go in. It comes out. So life can be like that, good and bad at the same time. You guys know what I'm talking about? Life can be challenging. When life gets challenging like that, similar to how we're studying in the book of Psalms, sometimes the psalmist is rejoicing and celebrating. Other times the psalmist is crying out to God for help. And in those moments, what the psalmist always does is brings himself to the Lord and becomes very moldable and pliable like Play-Doh, soft Play-Doh. And it's basically saying, God, even though some things in my life are really bad right now, I'm thankful for the good things. Will you just take all of this and mold me and shape me into exactly what you want me to be? Like a really good artist sculpting something very beautiful because kids, God created you and he will sculpt your life to be very beautiful when you bring him all the good things and all the bad things. And then ultimately, you are able to be held in place very powerfully, just like this binder clip. It's not just a regular paper clip. This is a binder clip. This thing, I feel like if I put this on my finger, I would need a Band-Aid. It would hurt. So when you take all the good and the bad of your life, and when you bring it to God and allow him to mold your life, he will hold you together and hold you in place so strong that he will take care of all your needs. (laughs) All right, (laughs) kids, kids, come on and get your bag. And when you get it, hold up your item and show everybody what you brought. Isn't that what we normally do? Come get your bag. Come on, kids. As I mentioned, uh, we have kids in the house with us, our elementary kids. So extra noise parents is is perfectly fine. We love 
uh, the noise in the house of God. You know, my wife and I just got back from a trip to Florida. We had approximately 30 hours of travel time in our road warrior minivan with the thing on top, you know, full shame mode for me as a man. We even have a sticker on the back that says mum life and I'm driving this thing around <laughs> up and down from Florida. <laughs> and all four kids are locked in and loaded and we've got it down to a science because we drive up to Pennsylvania, we do long road trips. We've gone across the country a few times uh, with the kids. And one of the things is we, we go for a number of hours before we let them use their iPads because we don't just want them to be on a screen the entire time. So it's this whole disciplined, rationed, portioned event. And on the way back yesterday, we were between Atlanta and here. Um, our five-year-old Nessa, who's here today, for no exaggeration, I timed it just under 50 minutes just sang spontaneously out loud in the van. And Jessica was sleeping, Kenzie sang a little bit too, but Nessa just sang songs and she sang whatever came into her mind. Sometimes how we do that in worship or like just sing your own song to the Lord, but in her five-year-old version of mine. And I wrote down a few of the things that she sang because it was just so random. Let's see if we can discern these lyrics together. The mustard is in the box, but sometimes the hair gets stuck in it. It's slippery when wet, so be careful when you run. Oh, it's in your heart. It's in your heart. Oh, yeah. La, 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 li, la, la, la. <laughs> 50 minutes of just priceless content, <laughs> just like that. And one of the things I love about that age so much is they haven't fully developed their insecurities yet. If you want to see the most secure people on the planet, Look at even a little younger than five years old, toddler age, they're just completely secure. And one of the most heartbreaking parts of parenting and grandparenting, I'm sure, is watching your kids inevitably develop insecurities, some of which they learn from us, many of which, of course, they learn from culture. You know, one of the reasons we love the character, one of the most beloved characters at Christmas time, Elf. Any Elf fans in the house? Elf was a little bit more like a toddler. And, and even that scene with singing that I loved, like when he first, first meets his dad, his dad thinks he's like a singing Christmas gram or something like that. And he's like, so you're gonna sing a song now? And, and Elf just starts going, I'm singing and I'm in your office. And, and he just sings it out. And I love the response of his dad at the end. He's like, that was weird. And he just kicks him out of the office. But Elf, he, he doesn't have the insecurities yet. And I was thinking about Nessa, my five-year-old, on this big, long, week-long Florida trip and all the work that Jessica and I have to do to make a trip like that happen, all the things that we pay for, all the driving. And she is really just completely reliant on us in regards to everything in that trip. Similarly to what I believe this text that we're looking at today is wanting to teach us, moving away from this sense of self-reliance, I'm doing all this on my own, to trusting and understanding the heart of your shepherd. And on a trip like that, my wife and I are shepherding, if you will, our children as we lead them along. And the text is Psalm 23, verse one, and last week I taught on just those first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. Today we're gonna look at a little bit more. It says, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. And so that clause is making possible the next clause, I lack nothing. And many of you probably know another translation of that text, which would be, I shall not want which we just sang about in that song. Translations of the Bible are just come along when scholars gather together and prayerfully study and try to best interpret 
the ancient text. And so they, they changed from year to year, but the ones that are, that are strong and good, the spirit of the word is the same through them. And I'm actually challenging you kids. If kids, give me your attention for a moment. We have these cards out on the welcome table. They look like this and they have all of Psalm 23 on them in the new international version, which is the one that says, I lack nothing. And if any of you kids can memorize word for word this whole Psalm this summer, you can come quote it to me or to my wife, Miss Jessica, any Sunday, and I'm just gonna give you five bucks right on the spot. I'm gonna put it right in your hands. And if you're, if you're just going into second grade, if you're only going into first or second grade, you only have to do the, the, or kindergarten, you only have to do the first three verses. But if you're third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you need the whole thing, baby. So any, anytime this summer, $5 challenge. I might even slip some tens in there. I don't know, whatever I pull out, you're gonna get. I'm just gonna have an envelope of cash. Adults, you are not eligible. But you get the greatest treasure of all, the word of God in your heart. Which of course is ultimately what we're doing with the kids, as you know. I love doing fun games to help get the scripture in the hearts of our kids. What I've noticed about these three simple words, I lack nothing, is we're generally on one of two different trajectories. Some of us are getting more and more to the place where we really believe and live in that reality, I lack nothing, or we're getting to the place where we really believe and live in the opposite reality of I lack everything. It's all about where your mental space is right now and what you believe about yourself and God and life. Sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced this, it's like the more we live, the more we add on things that we think we lack. You know, when you start young, you're kind of wide-eyed, filled with wonder, and then you start getting into elementary and middle school, you start learning about things that you lack. Maybe like so-and-so shoes are so cool, I lack those shoes, I really want them now. Or maybe it's certain friends, or maybe it's certain grades, and then as you get older, the stakes get a little higher. Maybe you feel like you lack the college experience that you, or the educational path that you wanted. Maybe you feel like you lack the career that you had hoped you'd be in by now. Maybe you feel like you lack the significant relationships that you wish you would have by now. Maybe you lack the income or the purchasing power. We certainly, the more we compare ourselves to others, we start to believe we lack certain skill sets or abilities. And we can, if we're not careful, we can start quoting to ourselves every day the opposite of I lack nothing. And we can start quoting to ourselves every day, I lack everything. Or I sure seem to lack a lot. I sure don't have this or that. I lack much, but I believe as followers of Jesus, we must preach the truth of God's word to our hearts every day so that we aspire to it. And for the sake of clarity, David, who wrote this Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, is the same one who wrote things like, save me God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Do you think he was quoting, I lack nothing when the waters were up to his neck? He said, heal me, my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? I'm worn out from my groaning. Same author penned those that penned the Lord is my shepherd, I shall, I shall not want or I lack nothing. So it's not that everything in life is perfectly working out as you may have hoped and therefore you don't want anything and you have no need of anything. It's rather that you've allowed your mind to be shifted to the mindset of the kingdom of God and understanding that you actually lack nothing in him regardless of what's happening in the circumstances in your life. 
on that same trip back yesterday, we stopped at Chick-fil-A. Shout out for Chick-fil-A, everybody. I think we had Chick-fil-A almost every day on this trip to Florida. And my two-year-old boy, Clay, one of the things he loves to say right now is that he has so many of so-and-so. He wants so many. So he'll line up his cars and trucks at home and he'll get a line of 10 of them. He'll be like, Dad, my choice, so many, so many. We went to the aquarium. He'll look at the fish. He'll be like, Dad, so many, so many. Everything is so many with Clay right now. And we, we, we got the Chick-fil-A. We sat down at this park to eat because the inside was closed. He got his three chicken nuggets in his own box. We get his own special box because he loves to have his own, a few fries in his little thing, his water. And he had everything he needed right there, but he was looking at everybody else's food, I guess. And he just began to be tormented and began to plead with us. And I want to quote him here exactly what he said. He pleaded this, I need so many nuggets and fries. Tears. Uh, he's pleading with us as if the world is going to end. Dad, I, and he was looking at how many nuggets Kenzie had and Novi had, and I said, I need so many nuggets. He just got completely tripped up on looking at their food. And I'm, I'm talking about multiple minutes here, four or five minutes. He just cried while we all were enjoying our lunch. And I'm going to share the end of the story at the end of this message, but for now, I wanna just mention that eventually he did calm down and we disciplined him clearly until he finally just settled. He got to sit in his mom's lap and he became aware again that he had his own stuff right there and he began to eat it and just be like, mm, so good, so good. And, and, and everything is just over that quickly. And it reminded me of this beautiful quote by Melody Beatty, gratitude turns what we have into enough. And in this moment, Clay was not grateful for his own meal. He wasn't even really aware of it. He was consumed with everybody else's meal until he finally realized the own, his own meal was sufficient for him and satisfied him. It actually filled him up. And in life, even when we don't get the things that we really believe we want, here's principle one, what I have in my shepherd is more than what I don't have in life. And that's a direct quote from Max Licato. I wanna read an excerpt from a book that Max Licato wrote. This is about the prison of want. Give me your attention for a minute for a few paragraphs. Come with me to the most populated prison in the world. The facility has more inmates than bunks, more prisoners than plates, more residents than resources. Come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. Just ask the inmates, they will tell you. They are overworked and they are underfed. Their walls are bare and their bunks are hard. No prison is so populated. No prison is so oppressive. And what's more, no prison is so permanent. Most inmates never leave. They never escape. They never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded, under-provisioned facility. The name of the prison? You'll see it over the entrance, rainbowed over the gate are four cast iron letters that spell out its name. W-A-N-T, the prison of want. You've seen the prisoners. They are in want. They want something. They want bigger. They want nicer, faster, thinner. They want. They don't want much, mind you. They just want one thing, one new job, one new car one new house, one new spouse. They don't want much, they just want one. And when they have one, 
they will be happy. And they are right, they will be happy. When they have one, they will leave the prison. But then it happens, the new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The neighbors buy a larger television set. The new spouse has bad habits. The sizzle fizzles, and before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and returns to the jail. Are you in prison? You are if you feel better when you have more and worse when you have less. You are if joy is one delivery away, one transfer away, one award away, or one makeover away. If your happiness comes from something you deposit, drive, drink, or digest, then face it, you are in prison, the prison of want. That's the bad news. The good news is you have a visitor, and your visitor has a message that can get you paroled. Make your way to the receiving room, take your seat in the chair, and look across the table at the psalmist David. He motions for you to lean forward. I have a secret to tell you, he whispers. The secret of satisfaction, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David has found the pasture where discontent goes to die. It's as if he is saying, what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. And then if you keep reading in Psalm 23 in verse two, the psalmist writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And I've just been reflecting particularly on the line that says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. If you were here last week and remember, I shared a quote from my friend who was a shepherd in England for a number of years. And he was talking about how sheep, which this Psalm is written from the perspective of a sheep, he was talking about sheep aren't the smartest of animals. And he said, if there's a piece of barbed wire, the sheep will find it. They will follow each other to the danger, any opportunity to end up dead and the sheep will take it. And he said, there may be nine or 12 acres of good grass, in other words, green pasture, with plenty of water to drink, but if there's one small gap in the fence with red clover on the other side, which is a poisonous plant for sheep, they will file through one by one to get from the good to the bad and find the poisonous plant. Have you realized this about yourself, that you are a master? I know I am a master of leaving green pasture and finding the poisonous plant. Anybody with me? That's called our sinful nature, that's our flesh. That's the, that's the way that we drift. But when you look at the text, it says he makes me, the good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes God is protecting us from what we think we want by making us lie down so that we will stay in the green pastures. Or you could say it this way, he's answering your prayer by seemingly limiting you, stopping you, and making you lie down. Kids, when you're at school, you know how you have to figure out your place at school and who are your friends and who you're gonna sit with? I remember when I was going through that stage of life, especially middle school and high school, you start to just wrestle with those things. And I, as I look back on my life, oftentimes I can remember God literally limiting a friendship so that I wouldn't follow that person to poison. At the time, it felt like a limitation to me. It felt like some kind of block, but it was actually God's grace because by limiting certain friendships, God was making me lie down in green pastures. And this can cause you to just rest in the current reality of your life as you trust your shepherd, 
rather than just longing in the prison of want for all the other things you don't have and all the other places that you aren't, you can say, wait a second, what would it look like to trust my good shepherd and, and trust him with the desires of my heart, but accept the fact that he's making me lie right down, right here in these green pastures? Because sometimes his limiting is an act of grace. The principle is this, the solution for every problem I face is found in my shepherd. So you can rest in the guidance and the limits of your good shepherd. Then the last verse we're gonna read today, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I actually have a staff right here, a shepherd's staff. This was given to me when I got ordained as a minister. And shepherds would have a rod and a staff. A rod would be shorter if you cut it off here and just had this piece. The rod the shepherd would use to prod the sheep in the right direction and also to fend off threats to the sheep. But then the, the staff was for special moments when, when the shepherd needed to more strongly exert authority, gently but firmly, the shepherd would literally pull the sheep back into the fold with the staff. And I think it's fascinating to read what the text says. What do the rod and the staff of the shepherd do for the sheep? They comfort the sheep. That's what the psalmist says. Sometimes we think of the staff and the discipline of God and the correction of God as a burden or as something to be avoided or as a punishment. But in fact, the scripture is teaching us that we should be comforted by the staff of our shepherd. It doesn't feel too comfortable to feel a staff around your neck, like pulling you back into the fold. I can't tell you how many times the good shepherd has said, Nathan, get on back over here. I love you, but come on back into the fold. In difficult situations, remember it's talking about in those dark valleys, my greatest comfort is the guidance and correction of my shepherd. So if you are in a dark moment and you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is find comfort in the rod and the staff of your good shepherd. When Clay was having his little two-year-old temper tantrum about his Chick-fil-A nuggets, I eventually had to take him away from the table and I had to hold him gently but firmly because he'll get to the point where he tries to throw things around. He'll grab a nugget and just throw it. And man, you can't throw Chick-fil-A nuggets on the ground. That's like sacrilegious. I mean, you can't, we can't. So I, I took him away from the table and I sat him down. I explained to him, what you're doing is not acceptable. And he doesn't know the word acceptable, but I'm trying to communicate. And he eventually calms down as I hold him. I explain that he can come back. He, he, he gets his breath a little bit. He ends up sitting on the lap of his mom because we're shepherding him together. And he enjoys his meal he has just enough for him. Remember, he didn't think he had enough, but his parents actually made sure that he had just enough. So it is with our shepherd. We often think we just don't have enough and we're kind of like clay. And we're, and we're saying to God, I need so many. And we're missing the enough that is right here. And then clay, after he ate to his heart's content, I don't even think he finished it all. <laughs> He wanted to go run to the playground and play again. He was back to his normal self. And he and his three big sisters got up on top of this big, like kind of plastic rock that you can climb. And Clay just started roaring like a lion. <laughs> that was his first instinct after his lunch. And this might sound a little corny, but I sensed this in prayer this morning. Perhaps you, 
like clay, need to realize that you lack nothing and get your roar back. Because when you start getting convinced in your own inner life that you lack so much, you lose your roar. You lose the spark that you once had of faith and hopefulness. Why? Because you lack so much. I don't have this, I don't have that, this is impossible. But my prayer is that just like little clay today, you can take comfort in the rod and staff of your good shepherd who will grab you in those moments when you're in the prison of want. He will, he will grab you, uh, allow him to grab you and then realize the truth, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. The Lord has actually given me everything I need to be and do everything I am called to be and do, period. Sealed deal, theological truth. That is what's true of you. If that's not what you believe about yourself and your life right now, you're not living in the truth of God's word. So let me challenge you. Remember today that you lack nothing. Let me invite the band to come back up. And um, if you're gonna be getting baptized here, you guys can go get changed real quick. One of the people we were gonna baptize uh, last Sunday with some others wasn't feeling well. It might've been two weeks ago. They're gonna get baptized today during the end of the service. Before we do that though, I'd like to just do this, this chorus. So the rest of the band, get ready, but hang tight for a second. Let's just do the chorus of I shall not want a few times and then we'll switch into graves and gardens in our response. But if you could close your eyes with me, church, bow your hearts. Kids, you too, let's respond to God. Let's just sing this simple chorus, remind ourselves, preach to ourselves the good news from our shepherd. This is, in fact, the gospel. We can't do for ourselves what needs to be done. We need a savior. We need a good shepherd to lift us up, to clean us up, to guide our steps, to offer us life, salvation, and hope. If you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, the good shepherd, you can do that right now. Just pray in your heart, I wanna follow you, Jesus. I wanna know your voice. I'm a sheep that has wandered all over the place, but I want to return to the fold. I want to learn the truth that I lack nothing. I want to get my roar back. I want to walk with faith and hope. Guide my steps, Lord. Forgive me for all the areas where I have fallen short, all my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lead me in the way everlasting, I pray, Lord. Lord, teach us what it is to be fully content, full of the satisfaction being with you, our good shepherd, full of trust, full of peace. You might just meditate on this truth for a moment, on this scripture. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Lord, I pray that each person here will remember this beautiful invitation from our shepherd later today when the world starts screaming at them again about everything that they need and everything that they don't have and all the things that they actually want. Or maybe tomorrow when we're back out in the reality of our life in the workplace or with family or spending time online or whatever it is, whatever we're exposed to, Lord, may this be the loudest invitation that we're responding to. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Let us not be deceived back into feeling like we want and need so much else. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, let me pray this benediction, we'll be dismissed. May the strength of God sustain us. 
May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us, the way of God direct us, the love of God go with us this day and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you all. Have a great afternoon.